0: Hello and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my co-host, Kathy Waite.
1: Good morning, or good afternoon, (laughs) whenever you're listening.
0: Uh, This podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program. We're taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. So we are into episode 20 already. Um, and coming up into week 17 of our Base Builder program. So
1: yeah, it's amazing. It's flown by.
0: Cruising along. Yeah, so this week we want to talk about um, training camps, the concept of training camps and and or like high-volume training blocks. Um, I think this kind of stemmed mostly because as we come to the end of this block 2 before our holiday break in the Base Builder, before the um, end of December, early January, little break that we have built in um we always go down to Arizona um Mm -hmm. that's where I'm from and we go down there and get some riding in and um you know it may or may not be applicable to some people being able to go to Arizona or warm climate necessarily to get that extra volume in but you know there's benefits to that and um things to think about if people can squeeze that in Mm -hmm. maybe over the holidays or or think about it for like the next kind of week off or like transition between Mm -hmm. training blocks.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be fun to talk about because some people have maybe never considered creating their own training camp. Even if it's kind of like having a staycation in town, like if you can't afford to take your family out of town for a Disney World vacation, a really fun concept is to have a staycation. So this is like that idea too for training. It's like maybe you can't go to Arizona uh, and we know we're pretty lucky we get to do that easily. Mm Um, but you can create your own high-volume trading block in town.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about reasons why a little bit and then some ideas of how to do it. And we'll actually talk about what we're going to be up to um, with our redevelopment team in Arizona and how we're going to structure our camp and thought maybe others of you might be interested in that. So, And then, of course, we'll touch on um, – actually, before we get to that, we'll touch on the week 17 of Base Builder, um, which is the final week of the second block. Um, going in the aerobic strength and kind of peak strength in the gym block. So uh, lots to talk about. Um, before we get to that, though, what have we been up to lately this last week?
1: Oh, man. Um, well, I always feel embarrassed to say I got injured, but I'll just share this. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, We had a huge weekend of riding Oh, um, this past weekend, we, for me personally, I rode about 100 miles and close to 10,000 feet of climbing. So then on Monday, I did my normal strength session. Well, actually, I did not do my normal strength session. I felt kind of fatigued. I recognized I was tired, so I backed it off and did yeah, tons of core. There. And p- I did the push pull set, but just kept it kind of chill and did like some lightweight body weight squats and um, some lighter weight kettlebell deadlifts. Then I went to the rec center around one o'clock to, um, play some pickleball with my senior citizen friends mm. and I promptly pulled my left hamstring.
0: Mm, pickleball, will get you every time. I
1: know. So, um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I am out for a few days or a week or so of pickleball, but luckily I was still able to get on the bike trainer on Tuesday and I will as well today. Um, I, it's, here's the deal. Number one, I'm 45, and I really struggle to remember that.
0: Right. Cuz inside, You're very I, young at heart.
1: I'm very young at heart. I like to move my body. It ma- brings me great joy. And I'm surrounded by these incredible young writers who flaunt their youth and vitality <laughs> inattent- in- unintentionally.
0: Right, all of the teenagers were training.
1: Yeah. And I just struggle to recognize... When I need to rest, when it would be wise. I thought I was doing a good job by backing off the weights, but I just shouldn't have played pickleball. And it goes back to also that um, I compromised my weak hamstring on my left leg when I did that pre, the last um, cross race.
0: Right, which is a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I mentioned still, that. that was very
1: yeah, I just had that wonky tough, hamstring yeah. you now, and I'm just going to have to not do cross races probably. Yeah, I think
0: that's the takeaway. It's like, you know, you have a specific. Um,
1: Weakness,
0: yeah. Weakness is no other way to say it, really. Yeah. That you have to always kind of keep in mind, and you, I think you started out Monday right, thinking, "Oh, I did a big weekend the bike or a big weekend on the bike." You know, let's back off the strength training, right? And right. then you forget yeah. that yes, pickleball is a quote senior sport. I mean, yes, yeah, and it no, is. But, yeah, um, but it's also a very explosive.
1: Well, at least how I play. Yeah, like I mean, you're very into and... it. Yeah cutting laterally yeah
0: cutting left and right moving very quickly and that when your muscles are potentially already tired mm-hmm. that's just that risk goes up yeah. plus like you said you're 45 and not that that's old quote-unquote yeah but, I hate
1: saying that but, but it's I have to be realistic and not I, 20. I'm I'm probably going to revisit this just over and over again because I struggle to remember that my body has limitations but Um, that's what happened this week. I'm grateful that it wasn't worse. I'm grateful that I can still get on the bike, but I am definitely frustrated.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that ties back into what we talked about last week, um, our kind of our lifestyle Mm -hmm. enhancements or improvements. And one, one near the end there was, you know, that life balance. And I think everyone needs to take, take that into consideration because while doing alternate activities, whatever it is, fill in the blank, anything different than riding your bike, is beneficial, I think. And it, fun. And it's fun, and it keeps us younger and healthier and moving differently. But you have to weigh it with what have you been doing mm-hmm. training-wise. You know, if you're training a lot, then you got to back that off a little bit. If you're not training as much, then you can ramp up the, the pickleball or the hockey or the basketball or whatever it is mm-hmm. your alternate sport is. So um, so those alternate activities are great, but you just always have to be thinking about balancing yeah. them out. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, you yeah, tweaked something. But you see, you got your workout in. I did on the I'm, bike this week. And... Yeah,
1: and I saw the PTs at Cascade. Um <laughs> They're so great; they never make me feel badly. <laughs> um And I'm sure I'll I'll be okay. I, I'm I'm just gonna have to try to remember this. I, I I would like to say lesson learned, but it's probably not. Right. But um, in the moment, <laughs> I'm trying to tuck away this lesson.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I'd rather you be super active and energetic and hurt yourself occasionally than be. Boring couch potato. So, oh, thanks. <laughs> well, what have you been um, up to, Cody? What have I been up to? Um, I mean, training's been great and fine. Um, I've been busy in the garage quite a bit building our bikes, mm-hmm. um, which I can say we're about ninety-nine point nine percent of the way there. Um, I mean, they're all rideable now. Um, it's just the final, like, get in a break-in ride or two and then adjust things. But um, so our new Scott Sparks, and I'm I'm eager to do like a little quote-unquote photo shoot and like a little detailed write-up mm-hmm. on our blog just because a lot of people ask us about the bikes we're riding and stuff and I like equipment and um so we'll, we'll post some stuff up in the coming next couple of weeks here um but yeah they're all ready to go
1: yeah you did a really good job
0: yeah it's I, I, I enjoy doing that it's fun you know finding the time is sometimes the tricky part and now with three of us you me and Sophia um you know, doing bikes every year, me
1: helping, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Sophia can help a little bit, but it's still like it's just fun, but it takes time. And it, I will say though, like the the SRAM AXS wireless shifting is such a time saver, if not a big performance benefit. Just assembling and maintaining the oh, bike, really? yeah, because you don't have to run cables through the frame and all these. You literally like bolt on the shifter, bolt on the derailleur, push a couple buttons, mm. adjust a couple limit screws. Make sure your chain length is correct, and it's, like, good to go. And oh, that's really cool. Based on the one I had, the setup I had last year, once I set it up, I think I had to turn one adjustment screw at one point in the middle of the season. That was, like, it, like, mm. changed the chain a few times, but as far as, like, staying in working order was mm-hmm. excellent, so I, I can't speak highly enough of this SRAM axis stuff. Yes, it's, it comes at a premium cost, but it's pretty amazing stuff, so... Mm. I think you'll really like using it. You're going to go on your first test ride I think tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Right?
1: Yep. I know I'm sorry I haven't really like given you the kudos for my brand new bike. I, I, I just haven't ridden it yet. Yeah, as once soon you as ride I it, ride it, yeah. I'll like fawn all over it and tell you 100 thank yous.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a they're great bikes. So, um, so, so if anyone
1: is looking for a bike, where should they go?
0: Oh, yep, yeah, right. Good plug. So, um, The Bikery down in Littleton, that's our partnering bike shop and um, they worked with us our whole team our whole weed development team we all got new bikes and um thankfully they assembled all, all of the team bikes but because um, we were going to do a lot of different stuff to our bikes we uh i assembled those and plus like i said i like doing it but mm-hmm. um, the bikery is great down there they'll really if you're in the denver area take good care of you um and scott dealer so all the scott bikes mm-hmm. um are available through them and and the guys are awesome. Good guys, you get yeah. a beer while you're down there, right at the Breckenridge Brewery. The right, oh no, right I meant in door. their.
1: Oh, I meant in their fridge. Well, yeah, Breckenridge Brewery <laughs> yeah. keeps them
0: supplied with the beer, so it's it's a good partnership for them as well. Um, and then what else? Well, we we bought a trailer. Um,
1: oh yeah, for um, transporting. For bikes redevelopment, to yeah, to races, camps and races and races.
0: Yeah. So and then my my friend Todd Langley. Um, is doing a nice little build out for like the bike racks and some shelving. He's
1: very clever and very handy.
0: Yeah. So it's like a 12 foot long trailer. We'll be able to carry like eight bikes and equipment and stuff behind the van. So when we're going to events and we're trying to get it done in time, um, for our training camp. So I think that'll happen. Um, and then just kind of, yeah, wrapping up, we got our last week of the training program before our break. Um, and then we like I said, we're heading to Arizona. So it's like. Tying up loose ends and end of the year stuff, getting whatever product mm-hmm. and things we need ordered. Uh um, yeah. before the end yeah, of the year. It, I can't
1: believe it's mid December already. It actually doesn't feel like that, mostly because I haven't decorated one ounce for Christmas since we're leaving. And yeah. it doesn't really feel like Christmas this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is
1: which is fine. Good. We're, I like yeah. it. It's like keep it simple. Yeah, we keep it say. simple. Um yeah. oh definitely we should mention the kit store, our new oh, yes. uh, bike kits.
0: Right, our They're Cure. They're beautiful.
1: They're just beautiful design and um, beautiful quality with Cure. I can never say that. Cure. Properly. Cure. Um, so final days of the kit, online kit store being open. And the link would be in the show
0: notes. Yes, we have a link to the kit store. You can click on that. It takes you right in. You don't have to log in or anything. You just you can see everything that's available. Jerseys, bibs, men's and women's, all sizes. You can custom tailor. So if you like longer oh, like sleeves or shorter or longer hem you know, to cover the belly button or... Longer, shorter leg lengths, and yep. the shorts—all those sorts of things are adjustable, which is really cool. It's, I think that's pretty unique to the to QRA. Um,
1: and we have mountain bike jerseys and mountain bike shorts, yeah, which is appealing shorts. to some people who don't care for like the tight fit yep. of a traditional bike kit.
0: Yeah, and then some really nice thermal stuff as well. That, that's what I get excited about. My favorite piece in the whole thing is the thermal bib shorts. They have like a, like basically like a fleecy inside to mm-hmm. them, so it's sort of like. People are familiar with leg warmers, how they're fleecy on the inside often. This continues that all the way up around everything that the Yeah, shorts I've been cover.
1: wearing those every weekend for our rides. Yeah. Last year's version and they're great.
0: Yeah, they're amazing. They're kind of like a three season short too, because you can you don't have to wear knee or leg warmers and you can still kind of be warm through the midsection there.
1: Yeah, I don't combine it. I tried one day putting the knee warmers on and it felt kind of weird and confining to me but I have some weird well like... you have
0: the knickers oh I have
1: the knickers yeah, that from wasn't last what you're talking I had the knickers the jeans, yeah. shorts
0: so uh, above the knee okay yeah
1: so I have the knickers and I just wear like a long wool sock with them and yeah I, I like that because you don't like leg warmers no I don't so
0: much but um anyway it's really good stuff so you can click the the link in the show notes the store is open until Sunday the 15th I think at midnight or 11 59 p.m you can get in there Place your orders, then the store closes and then they go to production and start shipping stuff out in February. So um, get in there and take advantage. And any proceeds above, you know, once QRA gets their costs covered, all the proceeds go directly to our We Development Junior Team, which is a nice little fundraising opportunity for us. If we can make, you know, a few hundred bucks or maybe a thousand bucks or something that goes to the team, that'd be great help um, with travel and all the stuff we're doing with the team. Yeah,
1: exactly. So,
0: um, so get in there and shop. Um, what else? I think that's kind of it. Yeah, for what we'll touch more to. on the
1: team camp as we talk about that topic.
0: Yeah. I, I know we have a few questions.
1: Yeah, Jack Boltz you know, those... uh, wrote in another question, which was great. He said, hey, Cody, I wanted to get your opinion on a race scheduling item. If a person has mountain bike nationals in Winter Park, Colorado, as their A race, okay. we're doing the Rattler G3 stage race on the weekend of June 25th to the 27th be too close to be able to recover and race effectively for nationals, which he's guesstimating his race would be on July
0: 9th or so. Yeah, it's so. like the 9th or 10th, I believe.
1: And he yep. said, I think Dave, the um, founder of the race, the Rattler G3 Stage Race, was talking about the first day of the stage race being about a 40 miler. And if I remember last year, like the three days totaled close to 100 miles, or maybe a smidge more, with lots of climbing mm-hmm. at elevation. So yeah, what do you think, Cody?
0: Well, so to put it in perspective, for those that aren't familiar with exactly what we're talking about here, um, mountain bike nationals cross country, that's like a 90 minute race. It is, it's like the weekend of July 10th, 11th, 12th. Um, and then the G3 race is a stage race here in Colorado, also in Winter Park area. Um, really cool race. We did it last year, three days, like you said, totaling around a hundred ish miles of, you know, good mountain biking, Mm um, And he said that's June 25th, 25th, 27th. 27th. So I think that's two weeks before
1: his A race. race. Mm -hmm. So
0: that's kind of a tall ask, I think, in my opinion. Um, I do think that in many cases, two weeks out from your A race, doing one bigger race, assuming you're fit and recovering well, can be like the last... Piece of like the build-up puzzle, and then those last two weeks you recover and taper in. But
1: what would you call a big race? Like like a one day. Yeah, like a one day. Mile well, even
0: depending on the person, a fifty-mile, you mm-hmm. know, like a standard marathon kind of race um, could be possible. Um, but three days of racing, even if they're on the shorter side, even if they're like thirty miles each, totaling uh, you know hundred-ish miles over a three-day weekend, is a pretty tall. Especially at elevation,
1: I think, with yeah, a lot of climbing. Good
0: point. So, we're talking about winter parks so or 9,000 feet of elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that would be tough. And then, also knowing Jack, he's an older rider, um, definitely a master's rider. And so, that also then plays into recovery aspects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to answer his question specifically, I do think it would be a bit much. I would consider. Possibly racing one day of it. If yeah, I believe
1: Dave offers um, like a relay uh, option for this race because I think my friend Mora did uh, did the race last year, and she did one day. A friend did one day. Another friend did the third day.
0: Oh, okay. And they had a really good time they with that. Do something like that. Yeah, that could possibly be an option as well. And then you know maybe passing on G three this year and. Doing something else that weekend or the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year we did G3 and we did nationals, but I think they were like a full month apart. I think so you're right. It actually worked well in that scenario because that weekend was a big training stimulus, and then we were able to recover and finish our kind of build and taper into nationals. But two weeks before is a, I think, a little on the challenging side. So, okay. so to kind of reiterate for those listening, you know, if you have your A race two weeks out, you know, maybe a single Good race is is definitely a good option. Um, and, you know, a multi-weekend race, you know, you need at least like three weeks before, in my opinion, if not four weeks before to be able Because first you have to recover from what you just did, the, if it's a stage race or a really big race. Um, and then your body has to kind of adapt and absorb that and kind of, quote unquote, grow stronger. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of finish your taper into the a race so you just need more time
1: yeah i think so too so jack consider doing it as a three-person team or finding a race the weekend before yeah thanks for the question all right the next one is from a um, a guy named matt i don't think i know matt so he he was looking on i think training peaks or our website for a training plan and he writes hello i'm interested in in purchasing one of your training plans in preparation for the 2020 cross-country mountain bike season beginning in april the 29-week cross-country mountain bike complete four-phase training program co- appears to be the most appropriate for my needs.
0: And to interrupt, that's a training plan I have on training peaks. Okay, as so 29-week yeah. cross-country. It's like a full base race prep, everything. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. It sounds, even the name is long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have a couple of questions regarding this plan. My cross-country season consists of a series of races based on a point system, so the better the performance in each race, the more points won. My query is, how can the plan be adapted for a season which stretches between April to August, maintaining peak fitness throughout? Uh, and then he has a second question. I'll just read them both now and you can address it. Also, during the workouts, how are the power figures calculated for each session? Is it based on a percentage of FTP, which I will have to calculate for each session? Thanks, Matt.
0: Okay, it's a so good question. To that paper. I think um, basically, The crux of his question is he's training for a a series of Mm -hmm. races, um, which I think is great. I think it's really fun. I love point series races. Brings me back to my ex-Terra days when we travel around the country doing races and gaining points. But anyway, um, I think it's a really cool thing, but it's definitely trickier to manage. So he's asking, how do I peak for this five-month long April to August race series? Well, In a nutshell, you can't. You can't be in peak form for five months. Nobody can. Um, So you have to have kind of those highs and lows. So you definitely would want to go back um, a few podcast episodes. I should have written down which one it was, but the one about kind of planning your season and um, setting up the peaks and and so forth around that. So what I would do in his case or in anyone's case that has kind of a longer season or a series race, um, series of races coming up, is pick a, a... put your first peak in the early part of the series of races. So in his case, April, maybe, maybe towards the end of April, maybe it's the second race. I don't know how many races he didn't say. He didn't say. Um, And then you're going to want to kind of peak. You're going to race well a little before, a little after, but you're going to kind of recover and dip down in terms of fitness a little bit and then rebuild for the end, which would be in August to kind of re-peak again for that second peak. So, you know, when you're talking about a, Four or five month season or series, you can do that very easily. You know, peak. Well, it doesn't mean you're beginning. not going to
1: be in like amazing shape all summer. It just means you're not going to be like on the mountaintop,
0: right? Because you race really well. You're you if you've done this whole base build up, you're super fit and ready to go. Peaking is just like the last little like where the cream rises to the top, and you have your best days or best races. So. Like you said, you're still going to race well before the first peak. You're going to race well after the first peak and going into the second peak. It's just the training emphasis that you're focusing on. You Mm -hmm. know, are you resting more? Are you training more? Are you like tapering? Those sorts of things are what changes. So to answer his question, yeah, set a peak in in the beginning part, you know, in April or May, and then set that second peak at the end, and you're going to build up. That first peak will keep you motivated through the winter to really get fit and ready to go. You'll start out well. You'll have a couple of really good races, likely, because you're peaking. And then take a little break. You will, quote unquote, lose fitness, but you'll also gain freshness. So you'll still race well. And then you can rebuild the training into the second half of summer and peak again. And
1: that particular plan that he's um, considering purchasing would accommodate a two peak season
0: yeah so any of the plans just about any of them you buy on training peaks are reusable meaning you when you purchase the plan it's like yours and you can set the dates that you either want to start on or have the plan end on so what he can do and what i recommended to him is do the whole first build up and peak to that april race then when that's over take a week off And then take that same plan, reload it onto your calendar, but have the end date be probably the last race in August. And then it'll count back the weeks and plop it in there after your week off and just sort of pick up where the plan then goes. Because you don't have to redo all of base and everything, you know, a whole like six month long ordeal. It'll take you back to, you'll basically repeat the last two, like three months or in his case of that training. So. um it might be a little bit of base in the end, and then all all the race prep again going through. So, um, so that's a cool function of like you buy these plans on Training Peaks from us. Um, you can re it stores in your your own personal training plan library, and then you can reload them mm-hmm. again and again, season after season, or for multiple peaks within a season and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's re- really great. Um, yeah, so it's a way to go, um, and I think I also referenced so the one he the plan he was specifically talking about was actually one one of our older version our version two um that i created a few years ago um and i actually suggested in my email replied to him to consider following our one of our base builder plans and a race prep plan and those are our version three kind of just our more updated ones like very much what we discuss in our podcast okay. with the the updated strength training and the updated structured workouts and things like that so um but both are both are available so um
1: and then he had a second part about calculating power numbers.
0: Oh, right. So so in the version three plans, like our base builder and race prep plans, they have structured workouts and training peaks, which means training peaks, if you do the test, you enter your FTP data in training peaks, it will calculate all the loads and like numbers you're targeting for whatever the intervals mm. are that day. That's called a structured workout in training peaks terminology. If he were to purchase, or if anyone was to purchase the version 2 training plans, which is the one he referenced, those do not have structured workouts because that feature wasn't around when I created those plans. Mm-hmm. So in that case, he would actually have to go and like manually... I still give target percentages of power and whatnot to use, but you'd have to go in and like manually calculate it ahead of your training session. So if it's like the plan is to do 6 times 2 minutes at... 110% of your FTP or I'll reference, you know, your 16 minute power, you have to know what your 16 minute power is and go do it mm. or do the calculations off of FTP if that's the way you want to do it um, and go do it, right? Okay. So yeah. that's one of the benefits of the version three. Not only is it like our latest and greatest newest protocol progressions, but it's also has those structured workouts. So you don't have to do all the calculations.
1: Yeah, that sounds much better.
0: Yeah, it's much easier for sure. And with all the smart trainers and computers and everything, it it's really automated in a sense. So um, I think that covered his question. Yeah, I think that covered his right? question. Yeah.
1: Thanks, uh, Matt, for sending that in. And then lastly, this wasn't necessarily a question, but in in our Wednesday night string session, which was last last night in the in house at the okay. gym, one of our our athletes, Ben Watkins, just mentioned at the end of the string session that Man, this heavy strength training is really fatiguing my legs for the bike workouts. Nice. And I like the inflection you got. Yeah, yeah. I was really like trying
0: it's
1: to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, like for example, on Tuesday, his it was a big workout in the in the bike class. It was a 30 minute standing climb with I think eight surges. Yeah. And he said his heart rate still was good, like it was holding steady at his eighty percent and he was able to keep that constant. But that his power numbers were much well, lower, lower than okay. he had seen the week prior, at least. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I'll let you address that, but I'll just tell you that my comment to him was, well, "Yeah, this week was supposed to be hard, really yeah. hard, like incredibly fatiguing, especially as you look back over over the last month, we've done a lot, right? Um, and I'll say also about Ben, since no, you know, the people listening don't know who he is. He's very strong." Uh, he's lifting big weights. I think he had like 300 pounds on his deadlift bar last night. Right. And
0: he only weighs, I think, 145 pounds or something like Maybe that.
1: Maybe 155. Uh, yeah. He's, he's built lean and, um, he was a runner for years. He's an incredible athlete, honestly. Yeah. Very strong. Um, but yeah, what would you say to people thinking the same thing? Yeah.
0: Well, I think you nailed it. I mean, it, we are nearing the end of an eight week block. Our second one, the first one with the trainer workouts, the The whole block focus was this, like strength build in the gym, meaning the progression got heavier, heavier, heavier as we went, um, and also aerobic strength. Started aerobic and then aerobic strength um, on the trainer. So essentially, it's a ton of strength work, uh, both on and off the bike. So, and we're into seven, eight, you know, closing in on the eighth week here. So lots of we're tired essentially, um, and the heavy weightlifting and even the big gear low cadence. Strength work we're doing on the bike, it's all very fatiguing to our muscles at the muscular level. So a little lower heart rate is normal because as we get fatigued, our heart rate, it's harder to get it to elevate um, due to the hormonal responses and whatnot. And then our muscles are just simply getting tired as well. So everything's going to, it's possible weights will feel heavier or, you know, you'll be putting out a similar feeling effort, but the power will be lower um is does that does normal. that mean
1: he's not getting as much benefit from the bike workouts?
0: No, he's still getting the benefits of the workout, which is that aerobic training, which by keeping your heart rate in check, you're getting you're ch- checking that box, the aerobic box. And then the big gear low cadence muscular work on the bike, even though it's not maybe as much power as it was a couple of weeks ago when he was a little fresher, he's still getting the muscular benefits of essentially we're breaking down our bodies and then we're going to recover or at least change things up for two weeks through the holidays and re- come back and we'll be like fresher and recovered and stronger at the end and we'll be ready to do some higher intensity work on the bike.
1: So outcome-oriented people, which we mostly all are if right. we're into this program, into serious cycling training can be dismayed when we see our numbers lower, our, our power numbers lower. And so the 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 word of caution is just don't get fixated on that. Like still worry about your heart rate and just know you're putting the work in the bank.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're just beating ourselves up with the intention of doing that. And then we're going to recover, grow stronger, come back in the new year, and be ready to then put out some bigger power numbers on the bike with the intervals that we'll be doing
1: right so again to just confirm what you have said over and over again like watch your heart rate numbers watch like follow those rules to keep it under 80 percent and don't try to match whatever power you saw several weeks ago or last week because right. then you will not be getting the aerobic benefit of that workout
0: yeah definitely not as much of it for for sure and that's yeah. why i'm a fan of training more by heart rate rather than power right in now that aerobic base training phase because if you were trying to hit the same power numbers, your heart rate would likely be higher. It'd be too much of, a, like, a, a stress load mm-hmm. overall and just doing too much too soon kind of thing. Right. And so, it,
1: it does already feel like a lot right now. Like my legs were jello yeah. on Tuesday when oh, we yeah. got off the bike. Yeah,
0: and I've noticed riding myself as well. Like, we did the group ride on Saturday, and, like, I to respond to any kind of acceleration is just, like, not there. And it's easy <laughs> yeah. to be like, why do I... Why am I riding so poorly, or I feel so bad, or whatever? But let's keep it in perspective. It's December, and that's we're not anywhere near our race fitness, and you know it's okay
1: to feel fatigued right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: In fact, I think it's good. So.
1: Well, I really appreciated kind of his comment because he can't be the only one that's like thinking about that or worrying about that. Right.
0: Right. And then also keep in mind when we come back in January with our program, the the heavy weightlifting is going to go get dialed way back so we can then start doing more structured intervals, higher intensity intervals on the bike. And that'll be very progressive as well. It'll start on the lower end of high intensity and build up to the higher end of high intensity over the, those eight weeks. But you know, it's a whole give and take of balance. So the, the heavy lifting will decrease so we can do more power on the bike and it's all kind of designed to work together that way. So, um, and okay. then, yeah,
1: that's. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just gonna wrap it up. Like by by the end of February, you'll start. Feel, people will start feeling really good, and yeah, you know, and that's when about they need when, to
1: for early races. Yeah,
0: for the early part of the um, start of the race season. So, well,
1: that's a good segue into what we have coming up this week in our week seventeen of our base builder program. It is going to be kind of like a final culmination of all this work of the eight weeks we're going to one rep max test for back squat and deadlift and yeah. we're going to have a testing day on thursday or whichever day a remote person chooses to do um the bike power test again
0: yeah exactly so we're, we'll are we be into our eighth and final week of what we're calling our phase two of the base builder um which focus like i said earlier on that strength build and that aerobic build um and kind of the culmination of it so we'll Um, yeah. Do the one rep max testing in the gym. Um, I think you had a suggestion on that.
1: Oh yeah. And I also just wanted to say, repeat what we said months ago, just that I don't really like calling it a one rep max. I mean, we aren't power lifters, right? I like to call it, um, finding a heavy one rep Yes. because no benefit will be gained from pushing it that extra little bit. We're not in a lifting competition. We're just seeing that we got stronger. And we're just kind of upping our numbers a little bit for the next spreadsheet. Um, So when you are doing this test on your own or with us, don't be a hero. Just like if it feels like super, super heavy and you grunted and you sweated a little bit. You're probably Let's just stop. Yeah. Okay, let's not keep going. Yeah, to
0: squeeze out an extra five or even 10 pounds, especially when you're up of 200 plus pounds. It's like there's very little difference in like the training numbers that will be calculated, right, you know? right. And so, the risk
1: is too great for right, the reward, right? So, so,
0: so no internally, yeah. If you, when you try the one heavy lift and it's like it goes up pretty easy, then yeah, maybe you're ready to try a few extra pounds. Um, but if it's like yeah, if you're grunting a little bit, which you should when you're doing that, then you're probably yeah. good. Yeah. yeah.
1: So word of caution there. Um, and also on the spreadsheet as written, it um, I think it has the heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy stuff on Monday or the first session. Yeah, where you
0: build down to the one rep max. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: but an option if you have the time next week to have two strength sessions is to consider testing one of the two lifts on Monday or on session one, and the second lift, um, the second session. So I'm say Wednesday in our group. So maybe you decide to do back squat as your heavy. Like your heavy lift on, on the first session and deadlift is the heavy lift in the second session. Yeah. Perfect. Perfectly acceptable. It's a, actually a really great idea if you have the time.
0: I think it's great. Yeah, It allows you to have more rest in between this, the progressive sets of whatever exercise you're doing. So you're a little fresher. Because mm-hmm. when you're working up, especially when you get down. So the way it works is we do a set of 10 a very lightweight to warm up. Then we can do a set of 8 a little heavier. The set of... Um, Probably ex- 6. 6. Yeah. Whatever the, it is. Whatever it is. So you're it going down, down the rep scheme. Right. When you get down to where you're doing, like, those two reps at, you know, 95% or whatever, take lots of rest after that set. You know, don't just load up the plates and go right back to your one rep. Like, take...
1: Two, three, four minutes. Four,
0: yeah, I'd say, like, four I minutes. I think,
1: actually, the protocol in the, in the lifting world is five minutes. Yeah. That may not be realistic for, like, the time frame time, you have, right. but, oh, my gosh, at least two minutes. Right. The minimum.
0: Yeah, I'd say at least three minutes or four. So, the more, the better. Um, and then do that one rep max and then like check in with yourself. Could I do a little bit more? Do a little bit more. Um, yeah. But if you're like, oh, that was pretty darn heavy and I could maybe squeeze out a little more, then don't bother with it. Yeah, just call it good. Right. Um, and not. maybe
1: just one more tip is, especially with a back squat, do a little YouTube search for how you bail for a back squat just so you feel comfortable in case you were to have to do that. It's not difficult, but you need to be able to visualize what you would do. We- Basically, in a nutshell, if you go down into the back squat and you're like, oh, crap, kind of stuck down I don't know if I can stand up safely, you would throw the barbell, throw sort of in loose We sort of there. roll it off your you back. You kind of, yeah, throw as in roll it off your back and jump forward. You're getting out of the barbell's path coming down. It sounds loud and scary when it falls on the ground, but if you have jumped forward out of the way, you will not get hurt. Yeah, yeah. And with deadlifts, if you, you just let go of it. That's not a big deal. Right. Okay. So there's my cautionary words. I just get nervous about people going like too crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, And then on the bike, um, the Tuesday session, session one, we are final culmination of um, aerobic strength, uh, which is 30 minutes with 16 surges. And we talked a lot about the surges in the last episode. Um, But really, one thing to kind of go when we have 16 surges, that's 16 minutes worth of 15 second surges you know, you have to really pace yourself because that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it even in the in the studio. People tend to want to go really hard and like sprint these and it's more, you got to hold back. And when you're doing 15, break them into like four sets of four. And like the first four, it's like maybe just a moderately hard effort. And then the mm-hmm. next four, very much like how we do our testing on the bike. Then do, you know, the, the, the next four a little bit harder, the next four a little harder. And then maybe by the last four, you can kind of push pretty hard but you know these surges aren't supposed to be like all-out sprints you know you really don't want to get your heart rate any more than about 90 percent of max for those like last four in this set of 16 so um so long story short just pace yourself watch your heart rate watch your cadence those are the two things you can kind of like cadence is what you can kind of manipulate to kind of hit target heart rates and then um each time, you know, maybe your heart rate gets, every couple of surges, it goes up a couple of beats, you know, and kind of stair steps its way up. Uh, but these are fun. It makes the 30 minutes go by because you only go 14 nice and steady and then finish the 16 minutes, final 16 minutes with the, with the surges. Um, and then the other thing we introduced to this week um, in-house was doing a little recovery heart rate test. And that's at the end of the surges, the last surge. Um, your heart rate again, like I said, will be upwards of about 90% of max. You want to, upon conclusion of that last surge, sit down and stop pedaling for 90 seconds and watch that heart rate fall from whatever it is. Let's say it gets up to 165 beats at the end, sit down, stop pedaling and watch it fall over 90 seconds. And you're taking kind of a a measurement of how far your heart rate recovers. Let's say down to a hundred, Um, And that gives you a clue, starts giving you a clue into your aerobic fitness. And then also your sort of day-to-day training adaptation, um, how well you're adapting to the training. So if you set a benchmark early on um, and do it this coming week, and then in January after the last interval of every session, we'll do this recovery check. And from there session to session, week to week, you're looking, number one, for improvement. So if the first time you do it, you go from 165 beats to 100 beats, you know, you want to see... Which is good. Which is really good. Yeah, yeah. If you go 165 beats down to 95 beats of several weeks later, it's showing that you're improving aerobically. You're getting more aerobically fit. And then it can also show you some red flags. So if if your normal is 165 to 100 over 90 seconds, and after one session it was... Uh, you had a tough day at work, or whatever. A lot of training over the weekend, and it was one. You got it up to one sixty-five, but it only came down to one thirty. That's an indication that you're fatigued, and your hormones essentially are a little out of balance, cortisol levels and whatnot. So, it tells you you're a little fatigued, and you need to mm-hmm. probably take a couple easier days um, mm-hmm. and get recovered. You know, you're kind of pushing that line of being fatigued. So, um, so it's a good little measurement within each workout to see. Yeah, I
1: think it's kind of cool. And like the way I like to execute it is to lower my head and just rest it on my my arms that are laying on top of the handlebars mm-hmm. and just sort of calm my breathing and think happy thoughts. And Yeah, if you seems, want
0: the maximum. Yeah, it
1: seems like it goes down drop, really quickly yeah. that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that's something I have in the online program, like the remote program, um, so if anyone has questions about that, let me know, but it's something I've always incorporated in our in-house because it's easy for me as the coach in-house to describe what to do to help, you know, make sure people are doing it. So it was just difficult to explain that
1: in words, in
0: words, in the training peak workout description. Um, but it's simply end of the last interval, see what peak heart rate you hit, stop riding for 90 seconds, watch it come down, see where it ends up. That's the, the test over 90 seconds. So um good little thing to do and we'll talk more about that i think in coming episodes when we get into some of the higher intensity intervals and stuff so um oh one last little thing i get a lot of questions um why are you doing a one rep max test in the weight room the same week as um a power test on the bike because the thursday i didn't finish thursday in week 17 we wrap it all up with a retest so it'll be eight weeks since we last tested if you're following our plan and we want to retest before our holiday break um, and see the improvements. So I get this question, why do you do a strength test and a bike test in the same week? Won't it affect things? A couple of things to think about. With the strength, the one rep max workouts actually counterintuitively aren't that difficult of workouts in terms of like leaving you sore or tired or fatigued. Because you're only doing a pretty small number of reps. I mean, because you're doing some warm-up reps and then quickly getting down to just sets of ones or twos. Yeah, as you figure out what your heaviest weight is you can lift. And yes, it's like the heaviest weight potentially you can lift, but you're only doing one rep at a time. um, So you don't ultimately fatigue yourself for that test uh, or for the bike test. Um, So don't worry about it. And then also, I've said this before, it's like, you want to test when you're in your normal training environment. It always kind of like confused me when people like taper and essentially peak for their testing sessions and mm-hmm. then they put out great numbers, which are fun to brag about. But then all your training there forward is going to be centered around your optimal rested peak level of f- fitness when you did the test, meaning. You're going to be expected to train quite a bit yeah, harder. Yeah, pretty
1: hard load,
0: right? And so when you're doing the interval workouts that follow, you may struggle to meet <laughs> the targets, and that's frustrating and counterproductive. So I think it's much better to go into a test
1: a little fatigued. a little
0: fatigue, like normally fatigued, not right. excessively fatigued. You don't go do a huge weekend of training and then test Monday morning, but doing it, you know, later in the week within a sort of a normal week, um, and uh, is Totally acceptable, if not the right right way in my opinion, to do it.
1: Well, I agree with you. And I also wanted to mention that I know that testing brings up some anxiety for some people. I start feeling it like, Oh my God, I'm getting measured and what if I fail? Yeah. And Sophia, our daughter She was already like oh I don't want gosh. to do the test. I this started week. laughing last <laughs> night. She's like, I don't think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> well, first of all, when she did the original test, what was it two months ago? I've lost track yeah. now. She like, like destroyed herself. <laughs> I, on the four-minute part, right? Like she had not not much left in the one minute. I, I couldn't. I looked over at her like, "What was what going on?" This I think she was on the ground, like, yeah, rolling like around. writhing. <laughs> like, this isn't the Olympics, and yeah. And I was tired, and you know, had jello legs. And my heart rate was high, but it's like I think I had gone like a nine out of ten effort, and she had gone like a twenty-five out of ten effort. Right. And so last night when we were laughing at, at her about this, you just reminded her like it is okay to go like a nine or a nine and a half for these tests. Yeah. You do not have to pretend. Like, this is the Olympics.
0: Right. This is not your race. yeah not your Olympics. This is go hard by all means. go as hard as you can, but you don't have to, like, completely destroy yourself. Because
1: then you have anxiety for real the for next, the next test. test.
0: Yeah, exactly, because it was so painful. So painful. So that should be, like, a, to- a tolerable level of discomfort when you're doing these tests. Yeah. Um, and also, don't go out too hard. But we have a whole episode uh, number 12 um talks all about the whole testing protocol, how to pace and all that kind of stuff. So you can go back and listen to that if you need a refresher. Um but yeah, that's the plan for week 17 and then after that weeks 18 and 19 of the program are um essentially weeks off, at least from coming to the studio, coming to the gym to train with us. And they're just off from like the structured work. So there's if you're following our plan, there's some suggested kind of like light strength maintenance workout one or two a week through the holidays, some suggested rides you could do. Um, this is a great opportunity, one, to, if you need some recovery, get it um, during that those couple of weeks. If you need a little time away from the bike, take it. Uh, time away from the gym, take it. Um, but then also once you've recovered, um, it is often a good time to then mix things up and do a little bit of extra like easy riding, enjoyment riding, Um, whether that be big volume or medium volume or just a little bit more volume than what your regular week's been the last two months. Um, Doing a little boost that way can be fun. It can be refreshing for the mind. It can be hopefully fun if the weather's good and whatnot, Um, and an extra little fitness boost. Um, That's where kind of the training camp or a high-volume block kind of comes into play.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, yeah flip our page over flip here our page it's very organized um, um so yeah training camps and and or high volume blocks I think is a fun topic um I mean I'm a proponent of like training volume is the number one way to improve as an endurance athlete I mean if people ask how do I get better it's simply put you got to ride more you got to train more now that comes at like there's a give and take there. You can't work a full-time job, have a family, and train 30 hours a week. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so that's often why the 20-something-year-old professionals that have very little life stress can put in those 30, 40-hour weeks and they become, you know, tour de France riders. Um, most people are not in that situation. Um, so volume comes at, like, kind of a premium of when you can utilize it without disrupting your life and your family and your job. But quite possibly... Um, you know the, the coming two weeks here in the short term a lot of people have little different work schedules family schedules a little extra free time sometimes um, it might be a great opportunity if even if you can't go somewhere warm and fun and exciting to like you said at the beginning of the show like make a little staycation training camp and maybe it's even like It's like you're getting up and riding at 6 in the morning, you know, from 6 to 8 a.m. in the morning on Zwift or something.
1: Yeah, that's what we were talking about yesterday that, yeah, okay, so you can't go to Arizona with us. And you might be a little jealous if the weather's bad. But what if you and your buddy who lives across the country and another buddy that lives across the country arrange that... Or even across town. Across town, right, Um, are going to arrange to do... Zwift rides three days in a row for two or three hours. Like that's, that would be amazing. That'd be a big boost. And it's fun because you're with your friends and you can, I I don't do Zwift, but I know there's that camaraderie aspect of it. It's very appealing to people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think if you have that extra flexibility through those holiday weeks, you know, why not take advantage of it? Um, You know, the, the benefits of mixing things up, doing like a high volume block or a training camp, is numerous. Um, I mean, it goes very a lot back to the benefits of just basic aerobic training, which we've talked about in detail um, over many podcasts. But you know, all the cardiovascular infrastructure of, um, you know, red blood cells and hemoglobin, you know, the concentration of your blood and all the capillary densities and mitochondria and all this stuff improves with the more you ride your bike. Um, you also. When you do a high volume block, you inevitably have to ride slower because you're going to be riding more, you know, that too, as a give and take, um, which means you're going to be in that lower intensity kind of fat burning energy system. So you're gaining those aerobic fat burning benefits.
1: Burning off all your Christmas cookies. Yeah. You can eat, it allows you to
0: eat more (laughs) Christmas cookies. Exactly. That's why Sophie and I do it. So we can eat lots of pie and cookies, um, It also, you know, because you'll be on the bike potentially longer than you're accustomed to in your regular weekly routine, you'll get some kind of muscular endurance benefits. Um, And that can be the obvious in the legs, but also things in your back and your neck and your shoulders and your butt, the tissues in your butt, right? Like all these things (laughs) that have to adapt. Um, You know, more time on the bike allows those things to adapt. Um, And then lastly, it's like, changing it up and in my opinion riding some longer rides it can be number one challenging to do especially back-to-back days or three four days in a row but also fun and it's different Mm -hmm. than maybe what you've been doing the last several weeks if you've been doing like a structured plan or like we do like Monday Wednesday strength Tuesday Thursday bike weekend rides it's like you get in a routine it's sometimes great to mentally and physically to take a break from that routine Mm -hmm. mix it up and like you said get Get on, even if it's getting on Zwift for two or three hours, you know, maybe three days in a row and then take a week, a day off and then do it another three days in a row by yourself or line it up with friends in mm-hmm. town or across the country or whatever and, and do that.
1: Um, well, I, I know that I've been really proud of myself when we've done these training blocks. And you're really good about planning this for the two of us or a small group of us um, a couple times a year. Like I I have like some anxiety, like I'm not gonna be able to ride sixty miles three days in a row or x number of miles within that five days, but I do it, um, and I'm just really proud of myself afterwards. Like you achieve a new level of what you d- didn't know you were capable of doing.
0: Yeah, you set like a new threshold of what's challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm I love training camps. It might possibly be. Or just high volume blocks in general, but I call them training camps. It might be my the most favorite thing I enjoy about yeah. You cycling. have great
1: memories from your twenties, don't you? Yeah,
0: I do. I mean, so yeah, going way back to when I was, I think nineteen was the first like real training camp I did. Um, when I decided I want to pursue professional cycling. Hired the coach, um, Arnie Baker in San Diego, and he had a camp every December. The first week of December, where we would go, all the athletes he was coaching we go out to this little town in the desert in southern california called brego springs um so picture like palm springs but like with none of that infrastructure of it was like there's basically nothing there it's like a couple of little like roadside motels a mexican food restaurant um i don't even maybe know.
1: one gas station and there was a, a con, golf course and a convenience store yeah there store. was yeah
0: there and a little like dumpy grocery store but basically nothing you're out in the desert um like sea level desert in Southern California, and we'd go out there Monday through Friday and um, for this training camp, and it was a lot of Masters athletes he was coaching. I was always the youngest one at the time, um, but we had other riders like Floyd Landis was out there with us um, a couple of seasons. Um, Jimena Florite, who was an Olympic mountain biker, was out there. Tinker Juarez joined us once or twice. Um, you know, we had a lot of really good riders, and mm-hmm. when I was 19, through 25 doing this it was like
1: a dream yeah it was
0: fun I'm riding with these amazing riders and then also cool people even if you know the the, the then 40 year old guy that's me now I guess that's <laughs> a good rider but um, no Floyd Landis or, or you know Olympian um, but it was just fun we'd get up every day how and, many were there uh, my memory yeah I think about 20 people okay. probably in total yeah right. um, yeah and we'd rent these little like, um, motel rooms with the kitchenette kind of thing. And you'd share, so you'd group up and then, yeah, it was like, we'd ride, we'd meet every morning. I can't remember exactly eight or 9am. It's actually still chilly cause it's December. So probably 9am. Okay. And there were two ways out of town and both were up big climbs. Um, and so we'd alternate which way we go. And so you essentially ride right out of town and then start climbing up like a 3,000 foot climb essentially. One of them was like Matazuma grade, I think it was called. And then I forget the name of the other one. It was something pass on the other side. But you'd ride up into the then mountains up to five, six, seven thousand feet elevation from sea level, um, like Palomar, Mount Palomar, and all those kinds of mountains up there. And um, and just do these like six, seven hour rides, like all day. Mm-hmm. And then you'd finish with the downhill back into. Um, Brago Springs, and you know, if we wanted to hit a six-hour mark or some mileage mark, we'd noodle around the t- the town a little bit and do that. But it, you know, it was just ride all day. It was always very slow, easy, um, but just fun. And so at the end of the week, you know, we'd tally up six hundred miles and fifty thousand feet of climbing. That's um, so cool. Yeah, and it was such a huge like fitness boost, like every year, and just like a a new mental and physical breakthrough of what you're capable of doing um, did
1: you feel overwhelmed or apprehensive or t- intimidated on monday that you'd be able to do 100 miles every day i don't know
0: i you don't remember i don't recall i think i was just when you're 19 20, 21, you're like game for whatever
1: yeah you're just excited to be there yeah and-
0: and it's just like it was like new and exciting and especially the first couple years it was like a new place I mean after a while I got to know all the routes but you know year after year but um yeah I think I think I just kind of went with it but again I was 20 or 19 20, and it was like you just recover well as long as you ate enough <laughs> you, it was fine um but yeah it was fun I mean some years we'd get snowed on in certain oh, really? parts I yeah and but it was always like warmish down in the, the desert part in Borrego Springs where we were staying. But um, but tons of fun. And then more real, more recently, I mean, we've taken trips. You know, Arizona. I mean, we have the resources, family, and whatnot down there to go do that because I grew up there, and it's always fun yeah. to say like we're gonna go for a week to Arizona and you just ride. Yeah, and sometimes almost we hit
1: Sedona, and... or we'll mix it up. We'll go Sedona, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Cave yeah. Creek. Um, we've gone to Fruta. Many years in a row, yeah, which is on the western slopes of Colorado. Right, even back when we were training for triathlon, we would take a group out there and have two days where we'd run in the morning, ride in the afternoon, or vice versa, and yeah. swim at the rec center, going to Grand Junction Goal. to swim
0: at the it's college, the yeah. um, CMU. Oh, right, the college super nice pool there. But, um, yeah, yeah, so there's, I mean, there's so many benefits from it, I think. But one of the biggest, I think, is just that it's like different and fun um, from like your regular routine of training. And there's different ways to do it, too. I mean, yeah, so
1: how do people do this? So They don't have Cody scheduling it for them.
0: Right, right. So th- th- you can do camps of any duration, really. But, I mean, the most common ones are, like, the long weekend, which is maybe three days. So let's say a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and, you know, just kind of loading up. It's all about getting as many minutes and hours accumulated as you can. And you want that to be more than your normal amount. But what's normal for one person... Is different for another person so it just has to be a little has to be more than what you're used to to get that stimulus so it's not like you have to go you know from riding three or four days a week for a couple you know an hour and a half let's say at a time to doing three six hour rides in a row that's going to be too much but for that person for that person so you might do but you might try like three three hour rides in a row or something like that um to, to, as long as it's a little bit more than what you're currently used to. Yeah, that makes sense. To push those boundaries. Um, then if you bump it up to like a five-day training camp. So this is uh, maybe like a Monday through Friday. Um, a lot of cycling teams will often organize, try to organize these sort of things where you take a trip somewhere. Um, you know, here in Denver, the popular place is to go to Moab like in March or April. And do those rides. So if you have five days to do a training camp, you know, you can't just train big rides five days in a row. Um, So when we were in Borrego Springs, we would usually do two big days, Monday, Tuesday, like 100 plus mile, 10,000 foot climb days. And then Wednesday was like a recovery day, which was still, my memory was like a four hour, 60 mile ride. But instead of going, um, which direction? I guess west and up the mountains, you could go east which stayed flat out mm-hmm. to the, salt and the Sea, and and sea. We, and so we'd ride out there and back. So it was like a flat, mm. super slow, um, easy ride as our recovery day. Um, and then we'd back it up with Thursday, Friday, two the more huge days, rides. Yeah. yeah, and then we'd go back to San Diego for Saturday and Sunday and try to do the regular group rides. But by then we were really tired. Of but <laughs> then it was just fun to try to finish it off. So yeah. Um, so if you do kind of like a five-day camp, you know, you'd want to probably, you don't want to do so much the first couple of days that you're exhausted and you can't do as much the remainder. So it's good to plan like, you know, a medium day, a big day, and then maybe a recovery day, and then another big day coming off the recovery day, and then finish it with like a medium day, and then... Which that's our plan
1: home. for our Arizona camp with our we Devo
0: yeah, riders. Yeah, basically. That's kind of and what And on
1: we're doing. our Wednesday recovery day, we're going to do some fun stuff like... escape room and I think like a coffee shop ride
0: yeah to have some recovery um in there um and then you can go you know you can go upwards of seven eight days of training camps but that starts to be more like professional level because that's a lot of time to dedicate but same principle applies you know you over seven or eight days you definitely need probably two of those to be lighter recovery days and then load up the big days um but, uh, you know, depending how many days you have, but, I mean, even three days...
1: Yeah, I think three days make a great is very doable block. for most of our listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah. So consider it as you go into this holiday, if you can etch out time, you know, before the family wakes up or however you need to do it, you know, um, it'd be something to, to consider. And, you know, if you're if you live in an area where the weather's good or tolerable, you can get outside, but if you can't, I mean, the indoor stuff still can be a, a stimulus that will have similar benefits. So. And
1: find a friend to do it with because if you're if you're joining energy forces to meet a goal it's much more fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the key, the key takeaway if you're planning something is the intensity has to be super super low. So these kind of high volume training camps rarely are you doing any if ever are you doing like intervals or anything hard, it's all about going slow because the stimulus or the overload is going to come From the duration of work that you're going to be doing so keep the the easier you go the more you can go essentially um so really think about that especially if you're doing like three hour plus duration rides you got they got to be easy you know if you're just doing two hour rides on zwift you could you know keep it a little higher upwards of like aerobic threshold for some of it and stuff but Mm -hmm. if you're really going for the high volume it's got to be slow that's um super key um and doing that um yeah so we have our kind of camp i mean what we, i mean what we personally have coming up um we're gonna we have those essentially two weeks off from the gym because that's how we decided you know set it up and we're going to um go down to arizona you, me, and Sophia for like three days and get try to get at least two if not three big rides in mm-hmm. get ourselves nice and tired um and then our other daughters, Noelle and Emma, are flying down um, to be with us through Christmas for four days. So we'll kind of recover and do fun stuff with them. Um, and then our redevelopment kids start showing up... Um, the
1: day and Emma Saturday,
0: leave. yeah. So the Saturday after Christmas. And then... So we're basically then going to train Sunday through Friday. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that's six days. Yeah. Um, training camp for our we development riders it's gonna be super fun so i've got a lot of cool rides planned um and we're gonna push the limits of what they can tolerate and handle
1: yeah it's gonna be great <laughs> it's gonna be fun yeah we have such a wonderful group of kids i'm sorry riders I'm not supposed to call them kids um riders this year they they thankfully all get along and enjoy each other's company yeah and they're very excited about going to arizona yeah
0: because we've we've got all our new bikes our new kits will show up i think in arizona mm-hmm. um probably that week before they all get there. And then, um, yeah, we're just going to break in our new bikes, break in our new kits. We're going to probably ride upwards of five, six hours a day for a couple of days. And then um, New Year's Day, we're going to have like a recovery day, like you mentioned. We'll do some, um, that escape room team building activity, which is kind of fun. And then we'll finish it off with two more upwards of six-hour rides um, Thursday and Friday, before we head home on Saturday, so um, that'll be a really big overload that way, Um, and then they'll, then we'll all recover, well, we have to drive home, most of us, that's not really recovery, but sort of um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday will all be um, a lot of recovery, and probably off the bike um, into that first bit of January, but um, it'll be super fun, and we'll do some, we'll do a lot of social media posting to share what, what it is we're doing, and what we're accomplishing and I'm sure there'll be plenty of silliness too so (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah that was
1: good and um maybe just wrap up with some little announcements here
0: um yeah I mean other than uh after the new year would be a good time actually if anyone's interested in what we're doing here to jump into our remote base builder program because in January January and February we're going to be getting into more of the higher intensity work. Um, So if someone's been putting in some base training November, December, and wants to get some of that structured, we're gonna start with like um, anaerobic threshold intervals or the kind of LT intervals um, in small chunks to start with and kind of grow those for about four weeks. And then we'll get into some VOT max intervals and some anaerobic power intervals by the end of February. Um, So people can still jump on board join our our program and follow along and do exactly what we're doing if they like Um, we also have the training plans um, the full the base builders we have them in high and low volume depending on how many hours per week you like to train 12 18 and 24 week durations so coming into the new year most people in north america at least You know, would probably at this point be looking at the 12 or 18 week version that'll get you done with your base like March or April um, and ready to race. Um, And, you know, it's great cycling training, base building training um, to get on. So, if you've purchased one of our stock base builder plans, um, everything we talk about in this podcast, you know, kind of applies to those training programs. So, um, you can learn a lot hopefully from our podcast and apply that to the training there um and then we're offering a um, 25% discount code for all of our podcast listeners for base builder plans it's um base builder 25 all capitals on the training peaks website when you check out and you get that 25% discount and i've got links to the plans in a, in the show notes as well as the discount code um so you can go check things out that way um and get if you haven't gotten your base going it's definitely time to start thinking about it yeah, get going it. yeah
1: And I'm loving the questions coming in, so keep those um, coming our way. Two ways to get us questions, well, three ways if you want to ask me in class, but the normal two ways is go to our forum at endurance.session6.com forward slash forum and um, throw it out there and other people besides us can answer anyway. Or you can send us a direct email to Cody with a C at session6.com or Kathy at session6.com. Yeah, and they're just really fun to hear what you guys are up to. So keep those coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I think cool. our next week's show, um, I think is, no, the uh, forget what I'm going to say. Yeah, um, we're just trying to figure out our, holiday, our yeah. holiday podcast Our holiday schedule. schedule. We'll keep the shows going through the holiday weeks. I don't know exactly what the topics. We have ideas. We just don't know the order yet. So, um, so just keep listening. Um, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes um, or Google Podcasts. And um, those of you on iTunes particularly um, or Apple Podcasts, you know, leave us a rating and a review. Those are very appreciative. Um, you know, hopefully a five-star rating. If you don't think we deserve that, let us know how we can better improve things um, to do that. We got one...
1: Oh, Patty Blake.
0: No, we, I was going to say oh, we got so one thanks, Patty. One star rating. So oh, yeah. So somebody left us There's a,
1: a one-star, but... so that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's okay.
0: Cracked me up, but it's like... Okay, leave the one star, but at least let us know like yeah. what you are clearly not liking. Okay,
1: but that, just to clarify, that was not Patty Blake. I no. just want to say a huge thanks to Patty for a very kind and exuberant review.
0: Yeah, and we love reading the reviews. So any reviews, um, hopefully positive, but um, are great to, to read and, and, and have. And that helps us build our search engine capabilities and whatnot. So um, we'll keep it going. All right.
1: Well, happy holidays, everyone. Happy writing. Hopefully you can um, do what we suggested and put together a high-volume block for yourself.
0: Absolutely. And we'll be back next week with uh, more stuff.
1: All right. Take (laughs) care.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.